0: The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. We are down to three teams, less than two two games or less left in the West. The Florida Panthers have advanced. And honestly, it's been some really good hockey. I got to watch, I actually had time to watch Dallas and Vegas last night. And some of the stuff that I've seen in the past from former Boston Bruins, former Washington Capitals, former Providence Bruins head coach, and now Vegas the Golden Knights uh, bench boss Bruce Cassidy started showing pretty much in
1: the first period. Well, my my concern there is that they went, they jumped and hired him uber quick after he was relieved of duties here in Boston. And now it's looking like having the same issues that his, his team can't seem to close it out. I mean, granted, okay, it was one, it was one further series along the last time he had this problem, but they, they couldn't close out St. Louis here in Boston in 2019 and now the Vegas Golden Knights are having issues closing out Dallas. I mean, don't get me wrong. Ottinger has something to say about it. And other players, one in which we'll talk about shortly, had something to say about it. But it, I'm not surprised that he's feeling a little frustrated. But it, it must feel like he's reliving this a little bit.
0: And you, you touched on an important thing there some of the head coaches that we've seen get bounced in and out of the league, they end up taking six months off or a year off, or they go in as a midseason replacement after getting booted at the end of the regular season or washing out in the first round. Mm -hmm. Do you really, really think that a coach has the time to go from time and emotional processing – Capability to go from unexpectedly fired, which Cassidy was. I mean, he got the dreaded uh, vote of confidence at the yes. end of the season, then a week later he's gone, to actually seeing what, actually processing what they did wrong, could have done better, and making those adjustments to how they approach things when they get hired instantly.
1: I don't personally well, think they can. I think the I mean, expectations. We, I think the expectations on him were, <clears throat> look what you've done in Boston with an a, a not young team. Uh, and that brings its own problems because he had issues with, or at least in my impression, he had issues with young players. He had issues with Frederick. He had issues with. Uh,
0: even Clifford, um, and, and, and half a and, dozen and, youngsters, and,
1: and, uh, and Mr. Clifton. Yeah, he seemed to have issues with younger players. Donato and, Bjork, uh, all well, over the place. You'll notice that Donato and Bjork, uh, Bjork, and yeah, are no longer here. Uh, and Ryan Donato seems to be flourishing. I'm not saying he's a 40 goal score or anything, but if you watch his play in Seattle, he is it's not. For, he is not a follower. He, he's, he, he's going into dirty areas. He, he's acting like a team leader.
0: <laughs> he's a veteran. I, I, I'm going to stretch, make a stretch here. Cause I, 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 can't say I watched 25 or 30 or 40 Seattle games this year, but he plays and presents himself on the ice, like a rock of the team. And Maybe he went through so much growth after bouncing out of Boston and then, where? Uh, what was it, uh, Anaheim that no, he,
1: he went, went to next? He went from Boston to <clears throat> the Minnesota Wild as part of the Charlie Coyle trade. Uh, and then from Minnesota, he was expansion drafted to Seattle.
0: Okay, so maybe he went through so much growth in that time that he suddenly went from— I'm just wondering. Show and uh, Cassidy doghouse material to rock of the team.
1: I'm wondering if there wasn't a little bit of self-reflection as well. You know, you got. I'm sure
0: there was, but let's remember, he was what 20 years old when he was on the Bruins.
1: Yes. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying (laughs) this is my. I'm saying trying to tie this in. The expectations of Cassidy going to Vegas after he left here was, look what he do with Runes. He took him to the Stanley Cup final, and barring what happened, you know, they didn't win, okay, but, and then they make the playoffs consistently, and now he's been summarily fired by Boston. We need to jump all over this, and the expectation is that you're going to do the same for us. It, it, it's not like it, there's a waiting period here you've done it do it again
0: (laughs) and let's face it the Vegas Golden Knights are entirely different composition than the Boston Bruins that I I I didn't like the choice of Cassidy when he was brought into Boston I didn't really like the choice of Cassidy when he was brought into Vegas
1: again when he was brought into Boston you know you spent 14 years away from head coaching NHL or assistant coaching NHL. Uh, you spent all your time in the minors. There's a reason for that. Hey,
0: look, I'm, I've been on that. Uh, I've been running that campaign since it started. I I thought he was an odd choice. Did he get regular season results? Regularly, yeah. Yeah, but the regular season isn't what you play for. The
1: thing is, you, you say that Vegas is is a different. In one way, they're kind of similar, though, is that their their veterans, their leadership is old enough. Now. I mean, the, again, Vegas is not constructed of rookies, second and third year guys. These are guys that have been around a bit.
0: It is. Is it but- is it
1: more is it more managing and less coaching?
0: I don't at this point, I don't think those terms are as different as people try and say they are okay. because you have to remember this is Jack Eichel's first kick at the can this is his first playoff appearance um, they've had turnover um, you know a lot of these guys weren't there in their last good playoff run
1: no, but the mispit line is the Misfit line is still there, and they were there from the get-go when they made it to the Stanley Cup final. William Carlson, So and Riley Smith can certainly tell Jack Eichel what it takes to get there.
0: But they can't tell him what it takes to win. I mean, Chandler Stevenson, probably – he was uh he was he's won a cup.
1: Um, he was on the he was on the opposing team at the time, yes. Was,
0: <laughs> Jonathan Quick, I mean, assuming he was, you know, sober at any point during that cup any of those That's cup runs. Um, That's not very nice. <laughs> did you see his press conference? I didn't say I didn't agree, I
1: just said it wasn't very nice. <laughs> um,
0: but a goaltender's perspective is very
1: different. Um well, yeah, they don't get to swap out every two, every, you know, 30, 45 seconds.
0: Um, and like the, the, when your best player is also entirely new to NHL playoffs, it's a different beast than when your best player is a Patrice Bergeron or Brad Marchand who has been to the mountaintop. Um, and that said, anyone complaining about Eichel's 18 points and 16 games in his first playoff
1: run? Who's complaining about that?
0: As I'm sure there's someone somewhere complaining about it.
1: Well, maybe Pagula.
0: Maybe he should have let him have the surgery that he that turned out to work pretty well.
1: No, oh, why would you do that? You can just go on firing GMs and head coaches. <laughs> uh, but
0: back to the topic. I, I, yes. I, I'm not sure that Cassidy, I am less and less sure that Cassidy has what it takes to take a team through to winning a cup
1: it's odd be i mean it it's an odd kettle of fish because the guy behind the bench for the team that is giving Cassidy fits and starts is actually the former head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights <laughs> who was also dismissed <laughs> and got himself a job in Dallas uh and then they brought in Cassidy and now Cassidy can't seem to get past the guy who was taking... Actually, you
0: you can make that statement about all three of the head coaches who were left at the moment, because I mean, Paul Maurice has had pretty poor luck as a head coach. But I think that right now, if I'm looking at the fit between head coach and most visible star...
1: Florida? It's
0: Kachuk and uh, it's Kachuk and Maurice in the East. I mean, Kachuk is very clearly one of the most stubborn players in the league. Yes. Um, And that's Paul Maurice to a T. I mean, that dude is a bulldog. He's going to latch on to what he wants. Um, Looking at the Looking at DeBoer, I don't think that DeBoer is a bad coach, and I never have. Um, but he was—he coached the Sharks in the past.
1: Before he went um, to Vegas, yeah.
0: He was—he was there for six years. Um, he's also coached the Florida Panthers. <clears throat> and he previously and yeah he's currently in he's currently with the with the stars um yeah it's i mean looking forward he's probably got the best coaching advantage just from having seen many of these stars before of each team before but and i think he's probably using that to his advantage um When I look at the roster in, when I look at the roster for Vegas, and you and you look at the veiled and not so veiled remarks of players in Boston uh, after the departure of Cassidy, uh huh. I'm hard pressed to find a guy who I think is. That Cassidy socket fit, like like uh, Kachuk and Maurice. Is it Phil Castle? Probably not. Is it Jack Eichel? Eh. I mean, it might be Petrangelo, which would be great. I like Petrangelo a lot. I've been on that. Uh, I've been a fan since his dra- since probably his draft year or the year before when I'd seen him. Seen a couple of junior games and
1: world juniors. Um, well, ridiculously good doesn't begin to describe him. So,
0: And you, you've still got a solid, solid defense there. angelo Martinez, uh, Shea Theodore, Braden McNabb. And, you know, whichever of the rest of the guys are in there, they don't have to do much lifting. They really just have to not fail for their 12 minutes a night. Okay. I think that this is going to be one of those things where what's what was the biggest complaint we had even before things started going off the rails with Cassidy? Can't can't identify a system.
1: Uh, oh yes, of course, the the systemless system. Uh,
0: yeah, we need to pay more attention to details. Okay, which details? Well, we need to be better in our own end. Okay, what's better? And that's the problem. It's not that Riley Smith is a bad player or William Carlson is a bad player or Jack Eichel is a bad player or Keegan Kolasar is a bad player or Nicholas Haig is a bad player. But write this down. Everyone, hold up, grab your pens, open up your phone, grab that yep. note-taking app, yep. write this down. I can say this because I've been on both sides of it. I've managed people in the past. I've had some really terrible managers. Um, I probably managed people slightly too young, but whatever. So here's a revelation worthy of any faith. Ready, Chris? I'm
1: sitting down. Are you holding on? Sure. It's
0: really, really difficult to make expectations or meet expectations if you don't know what they are.
1: Everyone per- that? 100% of the shots not taken, don't go in.
0: It's really difficult to meet or exceed expectations if you don't know what the expectations are. Ah. And when you have a Cassidy non-system, how do players identify what it is they're supposed to do better?
1: Well, he'll tell you if you do it wrong, because then you'll get limited minutes per night, or you'll get benched for the rest of the game, a la Trent Frederick. However, I'm pretty sure if you ask Trent, he'd tell you he didn't know what he did wrong.
0: Sometimes Trent didn't do anything wrong and the officials were just dumb. Or the players were, or the other team's player was diving or something like that. Because there were, I saw at least four or five penalties that ended Frederick's night during the uh, Cassidy tenure.
1: But... But then the new head coach comes in, and Trent's like, what do you want me to do? And he said, I want you to hit people, and I want you to take shots. <laughs> and hey, there's Trent, expectations there. Yeah. Imagine that. And you know what? He did that. <laughs> he hit he people, that. and he took shots, and he scored some goals along the way.
0: <laughs> Not only he did that, but he also – was part of the probably the most consistent pairing with him and Coyle for the season.
1: Him, Coyle, and Taylor Hall.
0: Him, Coyle, and Taylor Hall were, quite frankly, the best third line in hockey last year, period.
1: And if Taylor Hall is to be believed, he'll tell you just how good Trent Frederick really is and how much fun he is to play alongside and watch him grow and... (coughs) I'm sure yes, we talked no about that. Don't walk room pretty...
0: cancer. Trent, uh, Taylor Hall spent an entire interview praising uh, Trent Frederick.
1: I was going to say, I'm pretty sure we talked about that on the show previously. So. In fact, I'm, I could almost look it up and know what number it was, but I don't off the top of my head. But I'm pretty sure we talked about that. Yeah.
0: Oh, we definitely have. Because I always thought it was ridiculous that Hall was called a...
1: Why was he a locker room cancer? What evidence was there of this? Was it the time think when he was...
0: People were saying he was probably sick of losing.
1: Was the time he was in Arizona and the team couldn't get out of its own way and... He was stuck on the left wing on that team and expected to drag them kicking and screaming out of mediocrity. Because I don't understand when – I mean, it just uh, – to watch the player that he is here in Boston and hear that he's a locker – some kind of a locker room, quote-unquote, cancer, it's like uh, I don't see it. That Uh, that would be
0: episode 299, um, which we dropped on December 11th of 2022.
1: Yeah, during the season when he was, you know – Having himself a season, and Trent Frederick was having himself a season, and the Bruins were having themselves a season, yes, yeah.,
0: um, but let's not only talk about the Vegas Golden Knights because okay, quite frankly, Jake Ottinger is having a coming out party.
1: Yeah, I kind of saw this one coming.
0: I like we got to see him play big games in college.
1: Yeah. It was nice to have him here at Boston university.
0: (laughs) And so for us to see this now, nearly ancient 24 year old, um, old, old, old. Yeah. Six, four, two Oh five. Come into the playoffs. And just play really strong hockey. Uh, he had, I, yes, he's had a couple of bad games. It it happens to literally everyone. But watch yeah. those last two those last two games. He was he had his a game, and all he needed all he needed was for the team to score a, goal, a couple of goals. And well-known hockey superstar, Ty DeLandria, delivered two of them last night. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone had him on their their radar for multi-game or for multi-goal games in the playoffs. It's true. It's true.
1: It's true. It's true. Thank you, Kurt. Uh, just to lump onto that a little bit article in the athletic, uh, written by Saad Yusuf, uh, stars Peter coach, Peter DeBoer didn't even need to hear the rest of the question, which started out, Jake isn't Jake in elimination games has had a remarkable and DeBoer cut off the interviewer and said money. He's money. What are you going to do, you know? I wouldn't want to be playing against him. I love Jake back there, and I love him when the pressure is at its highest. End quote.
0: Looking at <clears throat> looking at the five games in this series, he was not great in the first two games. 892, he had, 875, same percentage.
1: He had a couple of struggles against Seattle, too. I mean, it happens.
0: It, yeah, and... It happens with everyone. Uh, Game three was just bad. He allowed three goals on five shots, and there's no other way to describe it than bad. Comes back after game three. 39 shots allows two goals, 949 save percentage. Yeah. Game five, 29 shots allows two goals, 931 save percentage. Uh, it's really hard to do better than that, and well, to do it when your season is on the line, two nights in a row, in two different uh, yeah, in two different cities. So you have all of the disruption uh, to your routine of going from home to the road to that wildly noisy T-Mobile Arena on the Vegas Strip. Um, that's that all by itself the, that two game set is an accomplishment
1: well it's funny you said that you know it can't really top that but actually I'm going to because in game seven versus the Kraken stop 22 of 23 shots 957 save percentage game six against the Flames 36 of 38 shots 947 save percentage Game seven at the Flames, at the Flames, stopped 64 of 67 shots for a 9.55 save percentage. Those are his five elimination games. So when Peter DeBoer says, I like him in elimination games, I kind of have to go with Peter on this one. <laughs> it,
0: there's, there's really not much you can say against Jake Ottinger when... When the chips are down, and yes, I hate actually using a cliche that bad, that old. Uh, You were talking about Joe Pavelski earlier. Let's talk about Jason Robertson. (sighs) Yeah, this is another guy that you just need to throw the chips down on and say, I'm betting on this guy every game.
1: He scored the goals. In four out of five games this series. Yes, they almost did on, didn't on did bet on him at the beginning of the season, though.
0: <laughs> game one, a <laughs> goal assist. Game two, goal. shutout out in game three. Like everyone else, he was not particularly good. Game four, 11 shots on goal.
1: Yeah, he figured he missed a few in the previous game, so. <laughs> two goals
0: go in. Game for uh, eighteen, another eighteen minutes of ice time, another goal. Um, just this is he is you. Jason Robertson is six three and two hundred pounds, and yet he disappears on the ice like he's five foot seven and one hundred and eighty. It's it's amazing. Another guy I've talked about—he doesn't have the flashy stats.
1: Yeah.
0: But I wanted him to come to Boston. I told people he's going to produce in the playoffs. Okay. Everywhere you look, in both of these wins, every, almost every time he was on the ice, he was doing the right thing—not okay. a good thing, but the right thing. Max Domi. Assists in both wins. Um, 16 16 minutes and change. He's hitting. He's shooting. He's playing effective hockey. Um, It's just been fun to watch. And you just have to love it.
1: Even if you don't like the player. Yes, you did say you want him here in Boston. I don't know about the fit, but
0: um, I think less fit issues than people are than people think. I think that he's a smarter person and player than a lot of people have given him credit for.
1: Fair enough. But oh, which of the three people they acquired in in trade? would you have not picked up?
0: Realistically, then, I wouldn't have picked up Garnet Hathaway. there, Unless that was the only way to get Orlov, I wouldn't have picked up Hathaway. I thought he performed well when he was here.
1: He performed the duties that were required of him on the line that he was on. As a fourth liner, I think he... He did what was asked of him, and a little bit more, considering he's not Boston. As much as I like to think, yes, when you're traded to a team, you take on that. You know, take on. He's not Boston through and through. He's been playing his career, Montreal. I mean, Washington and and whatnot. But for him to step in and be as invested as he was here. And I know he followed Boston because his dad and, and, and whatnot and his family, and he was a Boston fan, and it made sense that he was going to be a Boston boy, but he was he didn't come here. You know, I just – I think that he was part of the deal, A, so that Orlov would have somebody to connect with. I mean, they obviously couldn't bring Ovechkin with Orlov, so – get somebody else so that he doesn't feel completely like a fish out of water. At least he's got a, a, somebody that he's familiar with with and, and Hathaway is built like what you would expect a Bruins fourth liner to do and, and be built like everybody's going to say, you know, I was expecting you to say Bertuzzi. And to be honest, I think what Bertuzzi did, In the playoffs, and and yeah, it took him a little bit of time to get acclimated to the Bruins system, to Montgomery's system. His playoff run was... But his playoff run was um, ridiculous good since, like, I don't know, he was tied for leading points, and he was physical, and he was... I mean, he got to showcase his his skills that I knew he... Because I followed the Detroit Red Wings.
0: Aside from winning a cup, he did everything he could do to have a great showing... As a pending UFA.
1: Yeah. That said,
0: because of his health, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that I like the way he plays when he's healthy, I probably honestly wouldn't have picked him or he wouldn't have been high on my list of shopping. Like I didn't. In fact, I predicted the pick, sort of.
1: The thing is, I don't know how high he was on the shopping list until Taylor Hall and Nick Fellino went down on the West Coast trip.
0: That's uh, that's true, but I, I but part. Of, I mean, part of it is I didn't expect the Red Wings to trade him in the in the division.
1: I didn't expect not that I go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I didn't expect it either. Except that Eisenman got good. <laughs> good oh, he got a ridiculous return. Yes, I, I I think I think. Knowing that he wasn't going to be re-signing Bertuzzi, I think that he got the most out of that player as far as a return. What did he get, a first, second, and a fourth? <laughs> I'll,
0: I can look that up in a second, or you can look it up. But, I mean, looking at Bertuzzi, you say it took him a long time, a little bit, to warm up. He had four took- goals, 10, po- 10 assists, 14 points, in 29 games for Detroit this year. He came to Boston. He had four goals, 12 assists, 16 points in 21 regular season games. That's, I mean, yes, he spent most of that time playing with Frederick and Coyle, which I'm sorry, that's an easy trance. That's a soft landing because those two already played well. And while Bertuzzi isn't as fast as Hall, I think that both of them see the ice in a similar way. And both of them pass at a high level.
1: Oh my God, Tyler Bertuzzi's hands ridiculous.
0: Um, and then in the playoffs, he only went five, five, and ten, but he was a minus four. In, and everybody focuses love,
1: on everybody focuses on the minus four.
0: I th- honestly, I think, particularly given his very short playoff resume, um, which is basically only this season. Exactly. I think the ten points in seven games is wildly more important than the minus four. Wildly. Uh,
1: Tyler Bertuzzi said, for Tyler Bertuzzi payment was twenty twenty four protected first round pick, 2025 fourth round pick. I could have swore there was a second round pick involved as well, but now I'm suddenly not finding that. I could have swore there were three draft picks involved. But anyway, yes, his issue is that he's had he's broken his hand twice. And I understand that that is a concern for a hockey player. But when healthy, tenacious forechecker, ability to find the back of the net. Yes, that he can do. I think given a full season under Montgomery and this is yet another story we can carry on some other time as to why I think he's the one that the Bruins should focus on as far as free agents are concerned.
0: Speaking of free agents, and I think there's a lot more interesting free agents out there this year than most people think. Obviously many, many of many of them are going to be signed between now and the draft. Um, in fact, that's, that's why traditionally a lot of GMs take their summer vacations about eight or nine days after free agency starts, um, because most of the most of the players really are off the table uh, by by then, assuming they were ever actually going to leave. But an interesting player, uh, if you look around after the Carolina Hurricanes have been ousted, there's talk that there might be a shake-up in the core of the of that, of those hurricanes. There's no talk of Rod Brindamore being removed, and I'm not really surprised to hear that. But I looked around in four or five different places this off-season, and one of the guys whose names is really interesting
1: is uh, Jordan Stahl. I knew you were going to say that.
0: 34 years old. Um, He'll be 35 this September 10th. Okay. He's been with the Carolina Hurricanes since the 12-13 season. Mm-hmm. Uh, former, former Pittsburgh Penguin. So it's not like he spent his entire career in Carolina. In fact, he was the second stall in Carolina when he arrived. Um, I think there's several interesting places he could go, depending on whether his his desire is to get a second ring or to make the most money or to... Um
1: no, at... I mean, at 35, his contract options are limited, are they not?
0: They're not severely limited. You can pay someone anything you want, but it becomes dead cap if you have to buy them out uh, or anything like that. And I mean, he's been so remarkably healthy in his career um, that I don't I just don't see him suddenly falling apart.
1: Doesn't have, doesn't have much in the way of, of individual accolades.
0: No, but I think he's a he's one of those guys who's either in the conversation or just outside the conversation as a Selkie uh, candidate, um, and probably the player most hoping that Patrice Bergeron retires so that maybe someone will pay attention to him.
1: So um, he, yeah, the closest he came for a Selkie was. 2009, 10, he he was he actually finished in top. three, finished third, but it, I mean he does get Selkie votes every. I mean you look at his you look at his list on 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 Hockey Reference, and it's like two years ago, 21, 22, Selkie 11th, Selkie 8, Selkie 14, Selkie, I mean. He is, a, he is a proper two-way player. I mean, the guy knows where the defensive end of the ice is, which I have difficulty saying for most of Toronto. Um,
0: now, depending on how much shaking up is done in Toronto, I can see them wanting to add someone like him. But I don't think it's probably the ideal
1: fit. But, but they have a younger version of that. I, I don't know if he's quite as good, but they have Ryan O'Reilly.
0: At this point, though, I think that <laughs> I think that Jordan Stahl is still probably faster than Ryan O'Reilly. Okay. I think he's probably a step or two faster. I don't think there's a – I don't think it's a huge difference. But, um, you know, Ryan O'Reilly is 32 – he looked better this postseason than he did last year. Um, but Toronto, okay. Toronto needs to find a general manager before you can make.
1: <laughs> we'll get there in a minute.
0: And they really just don't have that much cap space. They have they have nine million in cap space and only what is it, fifteen players signed for next year? Yeah, 15. So, so that math don't math.
1: No, not usually.
0: Um, there almost has to be a move that, that moves out Nyland. Uh, I don't even know. That's a whole separate mess, and that's
1: three shows. According to According to Yahoo two days ago. Jordan Stahl says he wants to sign a new contract and stay with the team, that being the Carolina Hurricanes, as it pursues a Stanley Cup. Quote, I don't plan on going anywhere. I've obviously been here long enough and there's no reason to leave. Do you have an ideal landing spot? Do you have an ideal landing spot for him, or is Carolina the ideal landing spot for him?
0: Carolina is not the Assuming he wants – assuming the management wants to bring him back, Caroline is a good landing spot for him. Okay. But the place where I think he makes – he could make the biggest contribution without having to be the biggest star on the team, and quite frankly I'm not sure who the biggest star on the Carolina Hurricanes is. I mean it might actually be Rod Brindamore, and
1: that's an issue. Well, yeah, i I was still thinking Sebastian ajo, but but
0: is Sebastian Ajo actually a superstar?
1: No, because he has to split time between Carolina and New York Islanders, so
0: there, there is that yes but when you when you look at for me, the difference between a star and a superstar, and this is the reason that temple opinion, but neither. <coughs> neither Pasternak nor McAvoy qualify is a superstar can reliably be counted on to take over games on a regular basis.
1: Well, that rules out McAvoy, yes.
0: I, I, I When I look at Sebastian Ajo, I could be convinced, but I'm not. As of right now, I'm not. For me, I think it's a reunion time. So Pittsburgh Penguins.
1: Really. You Pittsburgh can put him out to, there
0: to keep uh, Malkin in order.
1: Pittsburgh needs to get younger, not older.
0: He's probably still the be- He's probably still going to be in their top six or seven skaters both in terms of physical skating ability and in terms of minutes.
1: Well, um, if whoever the GM is in Pittsburgh, because it's not doll anymore. If whoever the GM is in Pittsburgh is um, of sound mind and body, they're probably going to do their best to find another home for Jeff Carter, uh, which makes them younger by that math, but then bringing in 35 year old Jordan Stahl doesn't make them younger. Is he better than Jeff Carter at this point? Absolutely. Jeff Carter is apparently a shell of himself based on what I've seen and based on what I've read. Uh, the problem is that the rest of the team around him is also in their mid or close to mid or over mid 30s.
0: That's, that, team not needs, wrong.
1: that team needs to get younger. I'm not they're saying they need to, to start. I'm, I'm not saying not they need to start 20 rookies, but
0: they're not going to because as long as they can shuffle out Sidney Crosby and Eddie Malkin and Chris Letang, they're going to keep doing it. Letang's 36 years old now, and his contract runs through the end of the 27-28 season. That was a brilliant signing. Malkin's contract, also 36, runs through the end of the 25-26 season. Okay. And Crosby's contract runs through the end of the 24-25 season.
1: Does it really matter when his contract expires because they're going to re-sign him anyway?
0: They probably are. Um, (laughs) But I think that he... Quite frankly, becomes the probably the second best, or possibly even the best defensive presence on this team, um, because at this point Dumoulin is not resigned.
1: Um, well, and they let John Marino go, yeah. <laughs>
0: um, and I think that it's, I think that the natural chemistry that he had playing with Crosby and Malkin and Latang comes into it. Um, if you're if you're putting Malkin back at center, and your top three centers are Crosby, Malkin, and Stahl, you're in good shape. You have still got Gensel, you still got Rust, you still got uh, Granlund, and uh, and you're going to have to and you're probably going to resign Danton Heinen, uh, assuming someone doesn't throw. Uh, a stupid amount of money at him or he doesn't get to go play with five X teammates or something or from juniors. Um,
1: And I just had, I I just had a thought, but it, it kind of actually scares me because it doesn't matter who they who this particular team signs. If, if a certain player retires, they're always going to be compared to said player. But if I mean, is is it not something to consider for a team such as Boston, who potentially could lose um, a number one center to get somebody who plays center and actually has a well a career fifty three point four percent face off win percentage?
0: I would um, love him in Boston, honestly. I don't see him coming here. It just doesn't feel right. Um, But I think we need to look at some of the teams that are going to have some of these big disruptions. I think Winnipeg is probably due. We know that Philly has got a new GM. Um, of well, Calgary president. Week, yeah. uh, I mean, Philly's D Corps is fairly well signed. They've got five defensemen signed for next year, um, but they've only got eight forwards signed. So maybe with the, you know, yeah, they're probably not. They've only got seven million in cap space. They need to. Do, they need to do a lot. I don't think it's uh, going mean, to take
1: seven million for, for for Jordan Stahl.
0: Yeah, but that still they still need uh, to sign like four other forwards.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean they've got now. Now I'm seeing the problem.
0: No. <laughs> they've got uh, three players on long-term injured reserve that more than eat their actual cap space. Sean Caterier, Cam Atkinson, and Ryan Ellis are all on uh, injured reserve or long-term injured reserve. And yeah. (laughs) And he's got some work to do. Would he go to Philly? I don't I don't see a reason for him to go to Philly. I don't either. Um, if, If you're looking at... If you're looking at Cup... Possibles? It'd be the next best place for him to land. Interesting. They've got plenty of cap space, even if they do need to do some serious work on their roster, because they've got... They only get two UFA's out of their skater out of their skating roster, but they've okay. also get seven RFA's who are arbitration eligible this summer. I'm sorry, five RFA's that are arbitration
1: eligible. Um, One of them. Oh, hey, what a segue! Since you mentioned. Uh, uh, GMs around the league, and and we're talking about Philly. Um, Philly has themselves a GM named uh, Daniel Briere. Apparently, he's a is, hockey
0: president named Keith Jones. So we'll be seeing a lot less of him on the air.
1: Which now explains, as I said pre-show, why I I walked into the room and I heard everybody at TNT or TBS or whatever it was congratulating him. And I couldn't figure out why. And as it turns out, he is new hockey president. But Briere is making some interesting statements, apparently. And one of them happens to be about uh, one of those five arbitration eligible RFAs, apparently. Go for it. Apparently he said on Saturday he is open to trading Carter Hart. Yep. I knew you'd love this story. Um. Carter Hart was supposed to be the future. He was the savior. He was the one they were waiting for. He was the second coming of like Ron Hextall and and, and Martin Biron and, and uh, the one that actually does commentating for NBC. I name I mean, slips out. he was a Philly goaltender and this guy was in the lie. He was going to be there. And was the last general, manager. This they is the new general have, manager, they didn't have, they didn't have, they they didn't have room for Alex Lyon, who, Oh wait, is playing in Florida. Where's Florida right now? The Panthers. Aren't they like in the, going into the final? Yeah, just saying, um, but they didn't have room for Alex Lyon they had to let him go and they, because we got this Carter Hart guy and now Daniel Breer is like you know what I'm open to dealing him bye oh,
0: <laughs> I, we've said for at least 5 years before Briere landed that that team needed a nerve shattering kaboom
1: yes we've been saying it for a while now i agree this is this is Actually, this actually meets that definition, considering the way the team talked about him.
0: And Alex Lyon, in his three games in the playoffs, has a 902 save
1: percentage. Yeah. How many games did he win against Boston again?
0: Um, Against Boston, he had one win. No, wait, I'm sorry. That's regular season.
1: No, I meant in the playoffs, but I was just...
0: In the playoffs, he won one and lost two.
1: Aw. And Carter Hart's doing what right now? Oh, Carter wait,
0: Hart is packing his bags and waiting playing, to find out where he's going to be playing next year.
1: Playing golf? Okay, yeah. Um, I can see that, sure. He was 22-23-10 last season with a 9.07 save percentage and a 2.94 goals against average.
0: Mr. Hart? yeah, on Yes, a Mr. Team.
1: Hart. Now the team itself was 31, 38, and 13. And according to this article in Philly Hockey Now, they did have defensive deficiencies. Um, Being generous. <laughs> well, it is Philly Hockey Now, and they're writing about Philly. You didn't expect them to throw him completely under the bus, did you? <laughs> Hart's career... I- <Karus.
0: laughs> I don't know.
1: So Hart's here's. Career, wait, his career stats are 84, 84, and 26. He has a 906 career save percentage and a 2.96 goals against average.
0: So here's, here's average. One of the average questions. Mm hmm. Is the brain trust of Danny Breer, John Tortorella, and Keith Jones going to work better than Shanahan, Dubas, and Sh- and
1: Sheldon Keith? You know what? I'm going to say yes, because Tortorella knows what he's doing. <laughs> Daniel Briere admitted in March that the Flyers are in a rebuild, so he's being honest and open and truthful about it. They missed the compl- they missed the playoffs three consecutive seasons four out of the last five. Keith Jones, I'm not sure what to expect of him. I don't know if I don't think he has prior uh, front office experience that I know of.
0: Um, he hasn't been a general manager before. Um, I I think he was working in a front office, but uh, right. not worth looking up at this point. Um, I just glad to finally see a new new talent tried out. like the whole let's run the same GM search that everyone else has for the last fifteen years um,
1: well, like the, that that's the other ride in the park. first one is the the coaching carousel. the other one is the the GM ferris wheel. so
0: uh, yes, and the Ferris wheel moves very slowly and very predictably. Exactly. Um, and on that note, the uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs have have read a, have interviewed a who's who of general managers that m- that many fans don't want to ever see again. Um, according to Sheng Peng from C- uh, San Jose Hockey Now. Um Doug Wilson has interviewed uh, up for Toronto, as Doug have Wilson. Brad Trey-Loving, Peter Chiarelli, Jason Bottero, Mark Bergevin.
1: Mark Bergevin. Wow. Mark yeah. Bergevin. Which which Mark Bergevin is. are they getting, though? Are they getting the one...
0: Are they getting the one from the last four years, or all of the time previous to that?
1: With when it, it, at his time in Montreal, you mean? Yeah. Because <laughs> if you get the one toward the end of his tenure, that one seemed to know what he was doing. Josh Anderson and and <laughs> and Tyler Toffoli and, and I mean that was only the embarrassment of drafting um, Logan May Logan Malo. But Toronto is talking to the same – first of all, Doug Wilson. Doug Wilson was in Anaheim for a number of years. Um, Did whole bunches of not very much? Exactly. Uh, Brad Treleving was in – Vancouver or Calgary? I'm not, I, I'm not even sure which Canada, Canadian team he's coming from.
0: I think it was uh, Calgary.
1: Okay. And aside from trading away Matthew Kachuk for Huberdeau and Mackenzie Wegar, he brought in Noah Hannipin, he brought in Elias Lindholm, he seem he he doesn't seem afraid to pull the trigger, so maybe you give him a shot. Bergevin again, it's it, it's hit or miss depending on which Van you're getting. Peter Chiarelli, well, if you really want to give everybody on the team um, no movement clauses, absolutely, he's your guy. But again, he is he is he not afraid to make the move? I mean, he brought Chara with him. And he seemed to be okay making moves in Boston. But he, so, he really couldn't draft very
0: well. I mean, his first,
1: what? Actually, I don't know that he... Wait, wait. Uh, Dougie Hamilton, Tyler Sagan. Uh, and that's yeah, it. you're right. <laughs> that's it. That's literally it. And those were pretty much... Um, those uh, were gimmicks. Those were pretty much shooting a fish in a barrel. <laughs> I mean, again, as we've talked many times, the smile on his face, the the cat that ate the canaries when Dougie Hamilton
0: sprinted when Dougie Hamilton
1: fell to him at nine, fell to him. He just sort of sprinted to the podium. It was I don't think I don't think he could have got there faster if he teleported.
0: (laughs) I honestly don't believe I've ever seen a general manager walk that fast to the podium.
1: This is true. This is very true. I I mean, your choices are just math and not good. <laughs> I'm sorry. What else do you want me to say? They're, 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 they're recycling the same math. It, yeah, Find it, something new. It, it Extra regular. Like, that's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, Daniel Briere. Yes. You know what? Philly's taking Philly taking a chance here and and Tortorella's come out and said I haven't seen question marks for a second. I think he's handled himself so well this year probably been eh, you know oh he's talking about Carter Hart but anyway he, I mean he's he, but he's talking about I've heard Totorello talk about Daniel Briere. you know they like him in Philly he's open and honest. you know what you're getting. And you get back on the GM Ferris wheel and this is what you're going to get. Are they better than Dubas? Are they better than what you had?
0: I think Dubas drafted well. I mean, most of his good draft picks did come in the first round where they're supposed to come from. And a lot of them are very high in the first round. But I think he drafted well. Um I I can even say that some of his trades were were good, but dude does not understand defense or or (laughs) goaltending. Like, just doesn't.
1: I was hoping you. I was I was hoping you'd mention that because I was. Um, Dude does not understand defense or goaltending. Very true. Well, when you think that Matt Murray is the answer. Mm.
0: Um. I mean, if you're looking, if you're looking at that pile of candidates. Yes. Assuming that you're – assuming that you're Shanahan and you're going to have your fingers in the pie, mm-hmm. I I'd probably hire Chiarelli and make sure that I that I pick the scouts or have influence on the scouts because I think that Chiarelli is a really – is really, really good at finding depth players – And at least league average at non-defective free agent moves. But yeah, his drafting is terrible.
1: I'm Um, sorry. I said Doug Wilson was GM of Anaheim. I'm incorrect. He is in California, but it's the Sharks.
0: It was the Sharks. Yeah. Um, And uh, yeah, as I said, of the, of that group, I'd probably hire Chiarelli. If you're deeply into reading the tea leaves, um, apparently only True Living's interview was in person. Oh, okay. Um, if that means anything.
1: I think Botterill is the other, uh, question mark in this group. Only because his time in Buffalo, I don't know if it should kind of get count against him because Pagoulas didn't really give him, they gave him what? Two years?
0: Yeah, I believe that was the issue. Uh, that was it. I, I mean, I... I might want to see what he does.
1: And Buffalo was bad and he only had two years to make them better and he didn't, so the Pagulas said, yeah, you're fired," <laughs> Which apparently is a mantra they have on the wall. <laughs> uh,
0: and he's, and Botterill is currently the assistant GM out in Seattle. Um,
1: and, oh, wait, they made it to the Eastern, Western Conference semis, So mm.
0: yeah, they won a round in their first year. They won two rounds yeah. rather in their first year. Not bad.
1: So they, yes, they went farther than the Boston Bruins.
0: So Botterell was hired on May 11th of 2017. Yes, and he was fired on June 16th of 2020. <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic, they fire him because somehow. He couldn't turn, he can't even call a roster full of lead. It wasn't actually that good. The pagulas uh, were bored. <laughs> uh, maybe they found out what his uh, middle name was and assumed that his parents were morons and or something weird or couldn't spell. The because his born. middle name is Drandon.
1: Wow, that is different um Doug Wilson I, no, oh. no the whole list no i am just lacking in whelm um so <laughs> yes, underwhelm
0: <laughs> last week, just after we went off the air. Yeah. You mentioned a story to me about a suspension at the Worlds.
1: Oh yeah, at the, the IHF World Championships. And apparently it was a pretty significant one. Um, young man playing for Team Canada. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, plays for the Detroit Red Wings. Joe Valeno. And he was suspended five games for a stomp. I don't know how else to describe it. Basically he was up against the boards and he did actually lift his leg and stomp down on Nino Niederreiter. And at first I'm thinking, well, it's not that bad, but if you watch the video, it was that bad. My question is, and it, it obviously got answered because the tournament has continued. But if they were eliminated, if they didn't make it the five games during this particular um, championship, does it carry on to the next one? Uh, but this is just not something that you should be doing in hockey to anybody. I mean, this is- watch the video and Niederreiter's leg is out there and Valeno literally stomps on his leg. And I, I watched it a couple of times because so I wanted to make sure that I wasn't overreacting to it. But it is not pretty. Thankfully, this is he one doesn't. of the
0: most clear-cut suspensions in sports in the last decade.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that this was an easy one for them. <laughs>
0: this is like there's nothing that you can argue about with this. It's not a hockey play. It's not not that they allow it in international hockey in the first place. It's not a fight where both guys agree to drop their gloves and go at it. It's not an open ice hit. It's not a clean hip check. It's not you falling down and catching someone at an unfortunate angle. This is Joe Milano being a – why don't you all just insert two full minutes of the most vile things coming out of my mouth? Go ahead.
1: Okay. Uh, Done that. Uh, yeah, okay. you can keep you can keep waiting because I don't know if anybody's gonna come up with something. The key, the thing is that in the game, didn't even get a. I mean, it didn't even rate a minor mis, a minor mis, a minor misconduct. You know, two minute penalty of any kind. Uh, stomp. I don't know if they have a stomping penalty in the NHL. I'm pretty sure they don't. Uh, but didn't even rate a penalty in game. So I, I, but to watch it, yeah, I don't know that the Red Wings are going to do anything about this. Um, that there hasn't been any comment.
0: There, you know, as much as I, I as found, much as I dislike this, I don't think that the international tournaments really should
1: roll over to the leagues. I'm not saying that his suspension should roll over to the NHL, but. Would the would should an NHL franchise take any kind of additional action because of what happened in international tournament? I mean, yes, he's representing he's representing his country and not his team. But
0: I don't think so. I don't like it. It's we've seen way too many reputation calls just in the NHL and occasionally in international hockey uh, for me to be comfortable with that
1: yeah so basically his tournament ended that night
0: as it should have there's just no there's no excusing that
1: it was ugly but yet Canada is playing in the gold medal game as you informed me earlier because I had missed missed a couple of uh, the world championship games watching other like, yeah, you know, I saw cool the last
0: probably 10 minutes of the Canada-Latvia uh, game. Um, it was it was a tight game. It was a good, tight game, and Latvia has everything to be proud of. They're, they'll be playing in the bronze medal game against USA. USA fell in overtime to Germany um, in what was uh, – it was a game that, America, that the U.S. should have won. uh, Not to take anything away from Germany, but uh, the U.S. should have won that game. But, uh, as we all know, in hockey, matchups mean more than anything. And in the the round-robin play, Germany gave the U.S. their hardest fight. So it's not that surprising that if they're going to lose, it would be to someone who... Took them to the limit and just barely lost. Yeah. It's that, you know, the difference between a good game and a bad game for a lot of teams is two bounces. And yeah, uh, Germany got it. And Germany's head coach, unlike a certain former Boston head coach, was composed the whole game. Like really liked watching him, liked his interviews um, he's not particularly young, so I don't know if he'll ever make the jump to the NHL. But uh, I think that Germany's got another good coach involved in their international tournaments. Uh, I think this is this is pretty fascinating, and uh, it, we may be seeing the emergence of a new power in
1: hockey. Really. Not, so which, which power is that
0: Moritz Sider and uh, oh god there were a couple of other good young German players in the last three or four years
1: so Canada's playing Germany for the oh wait a minute that is today and I have an update for you Go. In over in overtime the USA has not won the bronze medal Latvia four three in overtime, and Canada Germany is coming up this afternoon at one twenty one thirty one twenty in the afternoon. So, USA after the start that they had, and the last time we commented on them last week last weekend it was they were. Top of their their group, uh one of only two undefeated teams with fifteen points. And they finished out of the medals.
0: Interesting. Yeah. I I looked at the USA roster. Mm-hmm. Gotta say, I, 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 there's a reason I don't watch the world most of the time. I'm just not impressed by the rosters of any of the teams. Like, <laughs> Canada, U.S., there's a whole lot of meh. But they had, But the U.S. had Rocco Grimaldi. <laughs> exactly.
1: Wait, they had Matthew Coronado from Harvard or Northeastern. I always forget which one he goes to. And
0: they also have Casey DeSmith in
1: goal. Yeah, not quite understanding that one, so not really anyway.
0: They might be better getting uh, Tim Thomas out of retirement.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: Okay, then. Oh, did I say that out loud? Uh, yes, yes, I did, and it was on purpose. Um, it was on purpose, Okay. <laughs> One guy we didn't really talk about uh, when we were talking about the conference finals is Joe Pa.
1: Well, we touched on him briefly when we were talking about Dallas, but we didn't actually go into the fact that he is, A, 38 years old, and B, now the active leader in playoff goals scored. And he's ahead of some interesting names on that list. Um, you know, some goal scorer guy named uh, Alexander. And there's this other guy plays in Pittsburgh there, that that Sydney guy. But no, it's Joe Pavelski. 73 playoff goals he scored in his career, uh, which puts him at the top of the list for active players.
0: And yet, poor man has not yet won a cup.
1: 38 years old and if you look at his time after he arrived in dallas he's done nothing but perform it's not like he got there and was kind of like skating out the last couple of years of his career no 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 (sighs) no 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 the guy shows up and it's like um wait a minute Who is this Joe Pavelski guy? You know, playing 35 years old when he shows up, or 34, whatever it was. But remarkably, yeah, he's been showed up in 2019, just prior to uh, that pandemic thing, and in 67 games had 31 points, and then the year after that when they had the season-shortened 56-game season, and, oh, wait, he had 51 points in 56 games. And then he had 81 points in 82 games last year, and then this current past season that's still going on for him, he had 49 points in 82 games.
0: So, A, he's played... No, 49 assists. Oh, excuse me, that's 49 assists. 77 in points in
1: 82 77 points in 82 games. My apologies. So, A, he's missed what? no games in the last and since he's joined Dallas, he's missed like zero games.
0: Yeah, pretty much. And this year <laughs> in the playoffs, like his three playoff runs with Dallas,
1: uh-huh.
0: 27 games played in 1920, 19 points with 13 goals, 13. Um, Seven games played, three goals, three assists for six in the 21-22 season. They missed a playoff run in, and then, uh, no, I'm sorry, 22-23 season. 13 games to date, nine goals, five assists, 14 points, Mm -hmm. at 30 in a lot. (laughs) Joe Pavelski will be 39 years old on July 11th. Uh, we will take the time right now to wish him a happy birthday. Um, if they're winning, if they actually win this series in the last series of the year, I suspect that's gonna be his day with the cup. Just a hunch.
1: Do you think that uh, Dallas is going to be raising that puppy up? They still haven't got out of the Western Conference yet.
0: Yeah, but I don't know that I don't know that Vegas is steered by the right guy to, to, to stem the tide.
1: Um,
0: and even though they won and fairly convincingly against Carolina, um, I have questions. I still have questions about Florida. Number one, because I thought they looked tired in the last two games against Florida, uh, against Carolina. And number two, because I think we've hit the point where rest versus rust, even if you're in favor of rest has to be, has to be a big consideration um, for, uh, for Florida.
1: Well, the issue is when does the mental game kick in? I mean, physical takes you physical can take you so far, but at some point you have to have the mental wherewithal the, 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 the mental drive to, get you through.
0: And with this series going hard at, uh, at least six games. And uh, if it's going to be Dallas, it's going to be seven. Um, you know, this team, whatever team comes out of this is going to be in that, in that mode of every shift matters. Every puck decision, every stick position matters. And there's not going to be that, gap, that wasteland of time. I, I, I mean, <sighs> I've been saying Dallas was going to come out of the West all, all season.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm going to stick with Dallas.
1: Oh. Okay. I'm going to tie a pretty little bow on Pavelski just because the more I look at his numbers, the more it's amazing to me. But very quickly, his four years in Dallas, he's averaging 18 minutes a night. He's 38 years old. He averaged 17, 40, 17 minutes, 43 seconds this past season, or the one that you know just ended, we're in the playoffs. Um, his 13 years in San Jose, when he was considerably younger, he averaged a whopping... 18 minutes and 53 seconds a night. So the last four years, he's only dropped off 53 seconds a night on average. (laughs) And in the playoffs, he's averaging 18 minutes and 38 seconds a night in his three years with Dallas. Now his years in his years in St. San Jose in the playoffs, he averaged over 20 minutes a night, which is impeccable. But, He's averaging 18 and a half minutes a night in the playoffs. The man is about to turn 39 years old. If you don't think he has the mental drive to get this done, you're wrong. And I'm not entertaining arguments. He needs to be in the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame when he retires right next to Mike Medano as one of the top U.S. hockey players of
0: You said U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame?
1: Yes, he's U.S. He's a U.S. born player.
0: Is he going into the Hockey Hall of Fame,
1: though? Ooh, an excellent question. You realize this man unfortunately has no individual accolades. He's only been an all-star once. Uh, he has been nominated for the Selkie a few times. Uh, the closest he's come was actually his second year in Dallas. He, he finished seventh in the voting. Uh, that's a tough one.
0: He does have, have a I, uh, he does have a silver medal with the
1: again that would,
0: international hockey
1: that would lead back to U.S. hockey Hall of Fame or international hockey. It, it, I don't know. I think the, no. Um, the career numbers that I mean, he's got a thousand points, thousand one points in twelve hundred and fifty games, seventeen I mean, year career. I mean, it,
0: okay. <sighs> let me st- let me put it this way. If he sticks around another two seasons, which, based on his current level of play, he clearly can, and cracks 500 goals, he's at 449 now, Yeah, I would have no objection to him going into the Hall of Fame. But, that's not a vote for the Hall of Fame. That's simply not an objection.
1: He, unfortunately, being a results-driven league and awards driven league the fact that he doesn't have any individual awards is going to hurt him um winning if he were to win the Stanley Cup this year with Dallas i think that helps him but i don't know that it gets him over the hump
0: i i mean
1: and this is a guy who clearly
0: And remember, he was drafted 205th in
1: 2003. Oh, he was part of that draft. That's right. The golden draft, yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, I don't have an object. As I said, if he cracks 500, if he wins at least one individual, one serious individual award, I'm sorry, but I don't think that you get into the Hall of Fame for winning the Masterton or the— um or the clancy or the uh what's the other or the messier award they're nice to have leadership they're nice to have Mm -hmm. but i don't think that they're they're not substantive to me
1: okay fair enough
0: um if he can snag an individual award honestly you know what if they win the cup this year and he gets the con smythe which would be a travesty because rupe Hints probably deserves it there you um go. I, I could live with that as as his crowning moment like his
1: hall of fame i still like i said i think that i think that us hockey hall of fame is without a doubt he's he should be there but as far as the hall of fame, NHL, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I think it becomes a whole different question. And I don't know that he has enough to back him up. I agree.
0: Um, we're going to talk goalies for the second time this show and no, Chris didn't actually grab either of these stories. Um, you say Saros um, has been uh, doing good things and making tails wag. Uh, he's uh, he's part of the uh, foundation that donated fifty thousand dollars to the Wags and Walks uh, Wags and Walks shelter in in the Nashville area. Um, he did adopt one of his dogs from there. Um, Showed up with his wife and the and the pooches to uh, fiance. They're
1: not and they're not married
0: yet. Oh, fiance and the <laughs> and the dogs to present a check. It is just nice to see. This is the type of marketing that you can't pay for. I mean, yes, the the Predators Foundation made a donation, but it's not something you can really make up. Well, you can do almost anything with marketing except make people actually look genuine. I pay almost no attention to marketing, having spent a number of years as a sales guy, um but when a guy goes out and does the community work and clearly does it because it's their thing, not just because it looks good, but is their thing, it's worth it. Uh, it's absolutely the type of stuff that makes the players more likable more human more approachable and pushes the league reputation in the right direction
1: well the thing that the thing that I like about this is Saros is the one donated five dollars for every save that he made throughout the season five dollars for every save not every win, not every uh, not every period or five dollars for every save. He made nineteen hundred twenty eight saves, nine six nine thousand six hundred forty dollars, so rounded up to ten grand. Then the Predators Foundation matched that donation and encouraged the fans to donate as well. But this was all because Saros has a love of dogs. They adopted one of their own, from wags and walks, this was something he wanted to do. This wasn't something that was thrust upon him by the NHL or thrust upon him by the Predators. This was something he wanted to do. It felt close to him, and that's why it feels a little more special to me. Put on it's the bunny. Suit. Something. It's not something that was contrived. He put on the bunny suit. Yes.
0: Like you know, there's no one in the world who's going to force the Jara chara into that giant bunny suit, which six foot nine inch bunny. Oh my God. <laughs> Some people are probably still having nightmares about, but I thought was
1: just a wonderful thing to see. Um, Nobody forced him to put the bunny suit on.
0: No. And quite frankly, that's like my new go-to for discussing genuine like community service work he
1: put the bunny suit on yes um, and, and that's what and that is what happened here he saros chose to do this and thankfully the predators went along with it matched the funds they got in in 18 months of 18 months of fundraising they managed to raise that $50,000 together between the fans and saros and and the team
0: And the the giant check is of course signed by Nash the the Predators logo. I'm not sure who gave him permission on the uh, on the on the checking account, but uh, he can write. Well, me apparently,
1: a apparently he's a apparently he's a co he's a co account holder with Um say Cyrus because that's the signature next to Nash. Nash's got a very legible signature though. That's impressive.
0: <laughs> it's better than mine. Yeah. My handwriting is uh,
1: not that. And you that. got to love the name of the campaign Sorrow Saves Pucks and Puppies.
0: Absolutely.
1: Good for him. And he, so, he actually is nominated for the King Clancy, is one of those awards you're not wild about, but he is nominated for the King Clancy Memorial Trophy player who best exemplifies leadership qualities on and off the ice and has made noteworthy humanitarian contribution in his community.
0: I don't find them substantive for a player's hall of fame entry. I I know. I get that. You're just picking on me.
1: Yes. (laughs) You do it quite often to me. I figured I'd take a shot. (laughs)
0: Hey, I only point out the truth. You, you mangle my
1: words. Not really. So where are we Um, going from here?
0: I think I think we are uh, I think we have reached the end of the tunnel. No, um, really? Give me your top three. For as of right now, yes, with three teams left, give me your top three for the Smythe
1: Oh, goodness. Uh, well, top of the list. For me, is still still Robey Hints. I mean, he's just had an amazing playoff run. I I really don't have uh, um I don't have a two and a three, but
0: okay. I think I think no, I think, I no, three, I I think I, who
1: on my list. I think Ottinger has to have consideration, depending on how far Dallas goes, and. <laughs> Do I really want to bring up this guy's name because he makes $10 million a year? But do I have to throw a little bit of shade towards Sergei Bobrovsky? Is he the best old guy, old goalie guy going right now? I mean... He has the most wins. Yeah. He
0: has a 935 save percentage.
1: I think you have to give him a little bit of shade, then. Uh, it's. I don't know if I'm using the phrase right. I'm not from this no, generation, you're not. so I don't know if that works. You have to throw a little. You have to give him his props. And is that the right term? I don't know.
0: That's that was, that one. That one's much better, and it okay, almost that's, sounds natural. Say it ten times before the end of. <laughs> Uh, before we start the next show, I don't know what throwing shade is. Just I have no idea. <laughs> I, I really mean, don't. All the of the three goalies who have more than seven wins in the playoffs this year. Yeah. Okay.
1: There's it's
0: Bobrovsky, Grubauer, and Ottinger.
1: Yeah, but they're not going to give it to Grubauer and
0: and not only has Bob faced the most pucks. And giving up the least goals, he's got the base well, he's got the best save percentage. Nine thirty-five okay. for him, nine oh three for Grubauer, and a nine oh one for Ottinger. Um, my three mean? are probably Bob, Hintz, and Kachuk.
1: I can see giving Kachuk some um some love in this situation, sure. The guy has been the guy has been a leader on the ice for that for that franchise throughout this playoffs. I can I, I certainly can see that, and he's backed it up with actual physical statistics. So I think there are multiple choices here, and, and you're not going to narrow it down until you get closer to the end. No, I mean sometimes. If
0: you're- if you really need a player from each team, I probably have to go with Angelo as the choice. Oh, Although yeah. there's, you can't take anything away from, uh, you can't really take anything away from um, the local kid uh, on Vegas.
1: The local kid. Which one's the lo? I'm trying to think of which one's from there.
0: No, no, no. Uh, the, the Boston or
1: the oh oh the oh kid. Eichel, local Eichel, the Boston yes. kid from. It. What about Aiden Hill though? I mean,
0: no, he's not even close to the other goaltenders this, okay. uh, this postseason.
1: I mean, they've had their goaltending issues there in in, in Vegas, so.
0: Okay. I mean, Aiden Hill has played, has started eight games. He has six wins and a 932 save percentage. So it's not that he's been bad.
1: But he's it's just the, bot, not. the body of work just isn't there compared to Bobrovsky.
0: No, that's it. Okay. And if you're only doing a list of three, you,
1: yeah, you can't it,
0: include it, Ottinger or Hill at this point.
1: Okay. Even though question.
0: Ottinger has actually made the most, has played the most games and started the most games. He's played 18 games to Bob's 14 and Hill's 10.
1: Yeah, but Ottinger's had Ottinger's had his stumbles too, so I was uh, looking at it more from the standpoint of those elimination games and what he's been able to do.
0: Oh, <laughs> when the fire's hot, Ottinger's there and basking in it.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: and that, hockey fans, is where we leave you. Have a great week. Um, we'll be talking Stanley Cup next week. We'll be talking some UFAs next week. We might put together some trades to help some of these earth shattering kabooms that should be happening this offseason. Um, and I will probably throw a poll out onto the interwebs uh, sometime. This week, so look out for it. You can find me at PuckSage.
1: You can find me at The Off Wing. And you can find us both in front of a TV watching a whole lot of hockey. Take care.